Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2022 session of the Georgia General Assembly came to a merciful end this week, capping three months of lawmaking that was, at times, gratifying to follow, and at other times, simply horrifying. One minute, the legislature is cutting taxes, giving school teachers raises, and taking overdue action on mental health services. And the next, they're passing measures on election reform, so-called divisive concepts in schools, and permitless carry of firearms. Such is the nature of election year politics, I guess. The chairman of the Chatham County State Legislative Delegation, Representative Ron Stevens, joins the commute today for a recap. From savannahnow.com, this is a Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Brimmer, opinion editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. Today's episode is a look back at the 2022 legislative session, which wrapped up in the wee hours of Tuesday morning at the Georgia Capitol. The legislature did its 40 days of work and isn't scheduled to convene again until January 2023 by which time we will have several new legislators and potentially even a new governor. We take a deep dive into the 2022 session and the main takeaways with the leader of our local eight-member delegation, Georgia House Rep. Ron Stevens, on this edition of The Commute. First, though, a message about the podcast presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. I like this read. Anyway, let's face it. When it comes to the office environment, we've all been treading water since the COVID-19 outbreak. Now is the perfect time to freshen up your space, and the folks at National Office Systems are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create great workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's that interview with Georgia House Rep. Ron Stevens. Pleased to be joined on the commute by Representative Ron Stevens. Of course, Ron was with us three months ago in early January previewing the legislative session. And here we sit in April, April the 7th, and we're going to recap the legislative session. And Ron, I I always forget the number, but I know this is 20-something for you. As you look back on this one, um, what were your general general thoughts on it? And of course, Sine Die was Monday, which went past midnight. Uh, I know that's not unusual, but still, for those of us who are sitting and watching it, it was somewhat eventful. If you had to kind of give your general thoughts on the session and on the close of the session, what would they be? Uh, Long, very long. It's, uh, I was beginning to think we never were going to get out of there. It's, uh, you know, Georgia typically, uh, constitutionally, we do 40 days, but there were so many committee days that uh, we typically don't have uh, and typically we're out around uh, St. Patrick's Day. Well, you know, we're into April. Uh, but, you know, I'm counting my blessings. We could be South Carolina. We go all the way through June uh, right. for some reason. So we're, it, uh, it started off with a bang, and it, it, it went straight on, and I'm pretty happy with, uh, with the way things wound up. 
Well, let's start with the cheer side of things, and, and most of that has to do with the budget. It, it was very advantageous to have such a surplus uh, with the budget. Uh, it allowed you to do a lot of different things, and we're going to go through a couple of those things. But I, I think I want to start with the money for Savannah, and I know that the convention center was one of them. Culinary arts was one of them. When you look at the money that, that you guys are bringing back home in that budget, what kind of stands out to you? You know what, $173 million over a two-year period is just phenomenal. It is the largest, by far the largest, maybe in, uh, in a decade when you accumulate it all together that we've gotten for one single project in, in Savannah. Um, you, you compare that, $173 million for a two-year cycle uh, is almost what we spent on the entire trade center, uh, World Congress Center. Right. Uh, when the budget was done a few years ago, it was like $200 million. Uh, and that took up 25% of the budget. So this is a very, very big hit. Uh, did not fully fund it. We got about 97, 98% of it. Okay. Uh, so it, um, we got almost there, um, but it's a very big deal. We did 90 last year and 83 this year. It's, um, it's, it's a big hit. And of course, there's other things that go right along with that that are in the same area. We've been working on a small library for a long time for Richmond Hill. Mm-hmm. the fastest growing county if you will in the whole state and we got that funded um some armstrong money uh, savannah state was, yeah savannah state it was a it was a very good year for our colleges uh and really a very good year for coastal georgia altogether yeah i know that there was money in there for savannah tech and the culinary institute on bay street which for, for those of us that spend time downtown we've been looking at that vacant storefront for about four or five years now and and I know there was some money put aside for that last year, some money this year. When you think about the whole idea of having that culinary arts school there and, and a bakery and a storefront there, is, is that something you're looking forward to getting that finally open? I have partaken in some of their, uh, uh, some of the, the finer food that comes through there. And, you know, Savannah is becoming a destination for food anymore. And, and uh, whenever I saw that old building and, and the the um, original intent to try to turn that into a culinary school. Um, I wasn't sure how that was going to work out, but you know, I'm glad that I was wrong because it's turned out to be a phenomenal success. And of course, with the very nice restaurants we've got in Savannah now, especially down in the, in the downtown area, all over the place, people now come here for the culinary piece. That's right. And you you merge that with the uh, uh, with some of the entertainment places we've got around. Not to mention the new. Uh, um, it's, I won't call it the new Civic Center, the new arena. Right. Uh, it really makes uh, Savannah a destination, and all that revenue that we're spending there is coming back many times over. Not to mention keeping jobs for mm. our, our own folks instead of having to leave. Yeah, I know the restaurants in town are always looking for for help, not only in the dining room but in the kitchen. So the I, I think anybody that goes through that Culinary Institute now is it's going to be a pretty good pipeline. Uh, into our, our local hospitality. Let's let's shift gears and talk a little bit about put money in in all of our pockets, and that is the fact that uh, the the supplemental budget or the mid year budget included a tax refund. I think every individual filer is getting two hundred fifty dollars. So of course, joint filers that'll get five hundred dollars, and then also lowering the tax rate from five point seven five percent to four point nine nine percent. That really kind of shocked me, Ron, because you know a couple of years ago when they were talking about doing a two-step rollback from six percent to I think at the time five point five percent, that seemed pretty aggressive. Is it 
kind of blow your mind a little bit that it goes a step further and go a full percentage point down? It does, and it, and it moves us from a, a graduated tax to a flat tax. We eliminate um, uh, so, so many of the deductions a person might have to keep up with, and it's just a flat tax. And the refund, you mentioned that, that's if you pay the tax, you get a refund. Uh, if you're working public, you get a refund. And that's the way it ought to be. It's, uh, um, in my 24 years, I don't ever remember seeing a check come back for an overpayment, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of folks that were... Whenever you're in government, you, you never have money. There's always right. people that are at the trough ready to spend it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first time that I can ever remember that we're sending checks back to the folks that actually paid it in. So it's yeah. it's a big deal. But the but the idea of moving um, to a 4.99 or a graduated rate makes us incredibly competitive with our surrounding states, and people don't understand what that means. Uh, whenever you move to uh, a 4.99 over this period of time, uh, we're going to be com- competing with North Carolina and some other states that, that have an income tax. Uh, that's that's important on a competitive uh, nature, in both corporate tax and individual tax. And it does keep us as uh, the number one state to do business in the country. Right, and it's a, it's a good thing to happen right now because I think most of us are, are rushing to get our taxes done because we've procrastinated for so long. So it'll be, <laughs> my be top of mind. <laughs> also in that budget, uh, we had some austerity cuts during COVID, uh, precautionary. And uh, a lot of the funding cuts, I shouldn't say a lot of the funding cuts, a significant part of the funding cuts were to, to K-12 through education. All of that was put back. QBE is, is fully funded. How big a deal is that? And, you know, I, I think we talk about this at least once a year. It is is a new funding formula <laughs> on the horizon for the legislature down the road? We've had some conversation as you, you know, the other side did this formula, uh, funding formula way back, way before I got In the 80s, yeah. In the 80s, and uh, I didn't get it until 98. So, the, you know, the form, funding formula has been successful and and uh, but we've never fully funded it up until mm-hmm. recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there ought to be conversation. And I think there will be in coming days to fine tune what we've got. But honestly, the funding form of QBE I would put up currently above around any state in the country. Um, it does need to be updated. There's no doubt about it. But it's working. We fully funded it, and um, it's that's another thing. And you know, you put the teacher pay raise on top of that. Georgia right. teachers are doing pretty doggone good. Yeah, and it's, I, I think we need to, to emphasize that because that is – we're going to beat up on the Republicans in a little bit about some of the other things that happen in the schools. But it is very important to remember that when you're talking about school funding, never got fully funded until recent years. And in those recent years, you had Republicans in the governor's mansion and Republicans controlling uh, both chambers of the George General Assembly. So – Everybody, when they start beating up on Republicans in education, just just remember that. I think we have to do that in order to be fair. Another item that came down the pike late was uh, Speaker Ralston's mental health bill. And the whole idea of mental health has not been treated the same way as physical health. Or there hasn't been a law that said insurance companies and others need to treat mental health the same way they do physical health. 
this bill kind of closes that loop a little bit. Can you kind of give us a 50,000-foot view on, on what what that bill is going to mean for the average Georgia Georgian? Yeah, Georgia has all, has been for years at the bottom when it comes to treatment of mental health, period. Uh, and it, it's all come, unfortunately, we've, we've swept this issue under the rug. And, of course, every time we do that, we fall further and further behind on treating these uh, illnesses. And of course, it hits home with me with some of these um, these kids that are going through uh, uh, puberty and, and some changes in life. Whenever it's very, very difficult for some of these kids to deal with that, and, and uh, we took it head on. It was a, it was a um, uh, something the Speaker Ralston felt very strongly about. We changed the perspective from um, uh, from treating it as mental illness to just treating it as an illness. Uh, we shouldn't treat it any differently than diabetes or blood pressure or any of these other illnesses. And we've changed the perspective as what insurance companies are going to pay. So there, if there is an insurance diagnosis, if you will, for mental health, it shall be treated the same way as, um, as a person going in for, um, for diabetes and blood pressure and those kinds of physical ailments. It is uh, something that we, we were serious about. We spent an enormous amount of time on it. I think you're going to see us in the future spend uh, quite a bit of money on it too. It's another issue that we've um, that we've lagged behind, if you will, in, in uh, putting our money where our mouth is. And but the biggest thing that we did this year is we stopped sweeping the issue of mental health on the, under the rug. We hope we can change the stigma uh, of mental health to be nothing more than just a uh, another disease that needs to be treated. Yeah, that's a big step that way. Yeah, and I know that it's something that's obviously, as Speaker Ralston put his way behind it, I know it's it's important to you. I know Jesse Petrie is a a champion of that, Uh, Ben Watson. So it's kind of near and dear to our own delegation. Of course, mental health here in Chatham County is is a big challenge, uh, particularly as as it comes to to, to treatment and the fact that we end up with so many people at the, the Chatham County Jail who are struggling with, with mental illness, and it, it just seems to be a never-ending cycle. So this is one of these that this is a, an incremental step, but an important step. Is that a fair way to look at it? You know, not only that, it, it, a lot of this stuff, strangely enough, started right here in Chatham County. You might recall about three to four years ago, Helen Stone, this was her mantra with the county commission. And we had so many people that the only place that they could go whenever there was a mental illness um, and they were acting out or whatever, um, create misdemeanors, um, they were going to jail. And that's the wrong place to treat these folks if they're not committing a crime. And Helen, to her credit, got us to put some money in a diversion center so that whenever pe- uh, police officers are trained, um, and, they, and they are trained to tell the difference uh, whenever somebody's having a mental challenge is to make sure that they, they don't go to jail, they go to a diversion center. Because every time you go to jail, every single one of those tax dollars are property tax dollars. So if we diverted those people to a treatment center whenever they're having especially an acute um, situation, we can get these folks treatment in a proper way uh, and of course, that turns into a federal drawdown dollar too, a healthcare issue. So, it uh, you know, kudos to Helen Stone, kudos to the county, uh, all the county commission, and the and the sheriff, of course, is, um, was right square in the middle of this issue. Uh, and because of course he doesn't want to have to treat these folks, they're 
the improper place to treat them in jails. Uh, quite a team in Chatham County, because you started all this stuff right here, wound up in a culmination of some of the bill that we did this year. Right. Now that bill, that bill passed overwhelmingly, but in the process, when it moved from the House to the Senate and it went into committee, it met some opposition, and you had, uh, for lack of a better word, you had some conspiracy theorists that saw some things in this bill that weren't there, uh, that, that, it, that it protected uh, pedophiles, that it did a, it did a lot of it. It was some red flag uh, parts, stuff that wasn't actually in the bill, but it was stuff that, that, that they made a big stink out of. And where I'm going with this is, is and, and, and you can certainly check me and say this isn't fair, but... When I look at some of these items that tie into conspiracy theories, and we've had some, you know, you can argue a lot of the issues that came through the legislature this year that were more divisive were kind of aimed at these these very vocal people uh, on on the far right. You know, whether it was permitless carry, whether it was CRT, whether it was gen- transgender athletes, whether it was uh, more election forms. Or, or more election reforms, does kind of the, the, the push to improve some of those maybe give some credibility to some of these conspiracy theorists that are going to push things? And, and did we maybe see that with the mental health bill, or am I maybe taking it a step too far? No, And this is one of the things that honestly makes me um, nauseated. It is um, some of these conspiracy theorists were looking at, whenever you do a mental health bill, you have to put diagnosis codes in the bill just to... Uh, to say what we're going to treat. And we had, there is a diagnosis for pedophilia, which is a mental disease. They were somehow getting over into the criminal code and and linking that to child molestation, which you are prosecuting you to go to jail for. Some of these, these and then there was the issue about, well, we're going to track you if you've got a mental illness, it's going to have your gun control rights. And it just went on and on. And uh, honestly, to the to the benefit of the speaker, he uh, had a backbone and stuck right there with it. And uh, and and we, of course, um, refuted those things and just told the truth. Sometimes that works when you tell the truth. Um, imagine that. And and we got the stuff out. Um, and you know, kudos to Ben Watson. He's the chairman of the committee over in health. And and we got this thing right. And uh, and they, uh, of course, debunked some of these. Uh, uh, outlandish things that were being said about the bill, and it, it was supposed to be, you know, honestly, most of these came from our side. And, but I, I'm disappointed, to say the least, and, and quite sick about the, the direction that they took. That we, the the, the separation in the in the criminal code versus um, what we were trying to do here is as different night and day. The idea that somebody connect the dots um, makes me pretty ashamed. Right. We'll be right back. Forgive me as I interrupt myself and tell you about... You think I'm going to talk about subscriptions, don't you? I'm not. Instead, today I'm going to talk about the Coastal Empire High School Sports Awards presented by the Georgia Ports Authority and sponsored by Chatham Orthopedic Associates. The awards return this year to an in-person format after two years of virtual shows. This event honors the best of Savannah's high school sports athletes and will be held in June at the Johnny Mercer Theater. More information, such as the exact time and ticket information, is still to come. In the meantime, read the Savannah Morning News Sports section daily, available online at savannahnow.com sports. 
to keep up with our youth athletes' latest successes. Now, back to the conversation with Georgia House Rep Ron Stevens. I ran down a laundry list of, of things in the last question, and I know it's it's stuff we talked about before the session, and it's the it's election year stuff. It is stuff that plays uh, partisan to the base. We saw, in my opinion, and, and you know it much more than I do, we saw more of them this year than maybe we've seen in a long, long time. Uh, are those issues, is that all chalked up to to election year, or is, is some of this culture war, that's what I want to call it, culture war stuff, is this stuff here to stay, or is it going to kind of uh, temper itself down as we get past the election? Well, unfortunately, it's it's um, you've got extremes on both sides, and we've got our extremes, and of course they've got their extremes. The folks, whenever uh, I came in as a minority, um, some of those um, long timers, if you will, that have been there and seen this, said, you know, the the um, uh, the parties of the extreme will never be your. Uh, you can never win on, on a long-term basis, and that's unfortunately our extremes are taking over in certain parts of the state. But yeah, I expect some of this stuff to um, to continue over the long haul. Um, you know, the people vote. In fact, people vote the way that they feel. They're typically in the middle, a little right, a little left. And um, but the extremes are are taking over on both parties, and it happens unfortunately during special elections whenever those extremists come in and and the conspiracy theorists and all this stuff. And really what people want us to do when you cut to the chase, they just want us to go up there, balance the budget, um, do the things that protect them back home, kitchen table stuff, and go home. Um, you know, those folks in Washington that live up there uh, don't have a job to come back home to that every day. They got to find stuff to do. <laughs> and, that, that, and that's a problem. You know, in years gone by that we've been up there Unfortunately, the longer period of time you stay, you start looking for things and, holy cow, it turns into a, uh, a mess for the folks back home. And then it takes us years to go back to Texas. So the shorter we're there, the better. Texas probably does the best of anybody. They're there every other year. Right. Uh, so there's less damage, if you will, whenever we're, um, when we're up there in Atlanta. Uh, because the longer you stay there, the more of these outlandish things come to light. Uh, and yeah, this year's had its share of it. The last issue I want to talk to you about is one that you've long uh, championed. It's probably a fair, uh, fair word, fair way to look at it, and that's uh, legalizing gambling in one form or another in Georgia. It certainly looked like this year the sports gambling, which is already done on on cell phones. Uh, all of us uh, could do it, not do it legally. Uh, the whole idea of legalizing it in Georgia course will bring some tax revenue and it's also something that I think I think you believe this it was something that could have been done without a referendum to legalize gambling it's something that could have been run through the through the Georgia lottery like a lot of these other games why did it not get through and does that mean anything in terms of down the road for for uh, casino gambling which is something you've advocated for and for horse racing you know, it, it, it's it's very sad this year that we had folks that were coming out almost like the mental health bill and were mischaracterizing the sports betting. Uh, whenever the bill came over from the Senate, uh, half of the country was already um, regulating it and taxing it um, because you were already doing it on your phone anyway. And then this year, um, we had 33 states that are doing it. And now a 
Kansas and, and Missouri do it this week, it'll be 35 on its way to 44. Um, because if people are already doing this on their phone, uh, it just makes sense to me for us to regulate it, capture it, and put it into hope of pre-check. That's where re the, the real target of these bills were, is another $100 million to, uh, to put in hope and pre-check. We don't fully fund hope. It's at 90%. We want the governor's addition this year. And I keep thinking about that foster child that um, whenever Governor Miller said, if you keep a B average, you've got to be able to get a, a higher education. You work for it, you earn it, you keep it. Well, those foster kids, we, we're not necessarily doing that. So we put a, an opportunity fund in this particular bill that we call it gap funding. But the difference in what tuition costs versus what it pays. Uh, so that those families, not only in pre-K, but um, I, I look at the foster kid that might have an opportunity to go to college and just like everyone else um, that earned it but really can't afford that might be three, four, five hundred dollars uh, to get there to college. So that he's treated exactly the same way as uh, my kids, who both of them went to school and heard. We do have some um, hypocrites, if you will, in the General Assembly that uh, are the first to stand up to the uh, or belly up to the trough to get that higher education money and pre-K money who fought desperately to make sure that sports betting didn't happen. Hmm. Uh, we'll try again next year. It's unfortunate. Um, uh, it's, it's funny, some of these won't say it, but they would really like to get rid of the lottery, uh, which we've okay. had now. This is the 30th anniversary, um, because that is gaming. We've been doing that, and all this revenue, two million, two million kids got a better education or a higher education for hope, uh, and 1.6 million uh, families have had an opportunity to get a head start with pre-K. So I am passionate about the issue. I'm um, a little bit tired of folks talking out of both sides of their mouth. And, uh, and I think people locally want, should have the opportunity to vote on this. If they want, yes, if they don't, okay. But let's, um, let's quit um, being a little bit hypocritical. Uh, you're going to accept the revenue from Hope, and we've had some that turned it down. If you're going to accept the revenue from Hope and pre-K, uh, then let's allow, let's tax and regulate something that um, that people are already doing anyway. Right, and uh, people need to connect the dots a little bit better too. There, it's no, it's no coincidence. Over the last thirty years, we've seen such an economic economic renaissance here in Georgia, and that's from the fact that we're keeping our best and brightest here at home and investing in the state and that has a lot to do with with hope and and the success that we're getting out of, of georgia of georgia tech of, of georgia southern of savannah state so yeah, absolutely the hope scholarship is is very important shifting gears on you a little bit i know that the wrap up of the first session means the wrap up of the first session for edna jackson the newest member of the delegation uh, what did she bring what did she bring to the delegation this year in her first year you know, she brought a, uh, somebody from up above is, is, um, is watching out for us. She brought a sense of calm that, um, uh, you know, as you might recall, the first of the session, we were going through issues with Matthew, um, mm -hmm. both the school board and the, and the county. She brought an amazing sense of calm there that, uh, that she's had ever since she was the mayor uh, of Savannah. And she uh, has, um, like, stepped up to be a senior member of the delegation almost immediately. So she is, she's been a, uh, a rock, quite honestly. And, and I might add, speaking of maps, uh, we were the largest, as far as I know, we're the largest delegation 
uh, in the entire state to draw our own maps locally. The rest of these large counties are openly fighting as a, a war with each other, so that they would put it on the entire delegation. Now that's a big deal. It doesn't sound like much, but you know there's only eight of us uh, that serve in the Senate and the House from Savannah, and we're an extreme minority. So we have to act in unison, if you will. And and I, I could not have been more proud of all of our delegation on both sides uh, that we came together and did our own maps. Um, and MPC did a very good job in laying out a, a framework for us to work on. And closed the, uh, um, the made the districts more the same size and eliminated so many split precincts. That was also a problem. And, and but we did it as a delegation, and I, I makes me pooch my chest out a little bit with pride in in, uh, in our delegation. They, they they they're the cream that floated to the top. Yeah, and talking about the redistricting, I, of course, was at the Capitol for Savannah Chatham Day, which was the day that Gwinnett County uh, redistricting at the county level was happening. And I can attest that it was, it was pretty heated and, and took over the entire uh, couple of hours all over the floor. So while the Chatham redistricting was, uh, I don't think we could uh, call it smooth, uh, it at least came to a, uh, to a resolution that, that prohibited bloodshed might <laughs> be the best way to put it right you better believe it we came back home and we're uh, we're all friends um I, I can't say that was some of the other large counties mm -hmm. um but uh you know we we disagree but somehow we get together and we work it out among ourselves and uh i don't know that's that's just a testament to the delegation that we've got up there and i'm um, you know i might add Derek mallow um really showed his leadership qualities in this um, in this mapping stuff and a few other things that, that we did up there. I was uh, pretty proud of him to step into kind of a leadership role. I mentioned Derek Mallow. Uh, he is in line to run for a soon-to-be empty seat with Lester Jackson stepping out after, I think you and Lester, did you come in, he came in the, the same time as you or, or a cycle later than you. What are you going to mess, what are you going to miss about Lester? You know, I, I got there one year before him. I came in on the off year whenever Sonny Dixon uh, I hung it up to went uh, to go to WTOC. But I'm, I, you, you know, he has been a rock. Um, and of course, whenever he served in the house, he sat in front of me, and we were uh, we would disagree on, on a whole lot of stuff. But uh, whenever he went over to the Senate, you know, I keep thinking some of the big bills that he was on Senate Finance, and without him, they just wouldn't have happened. For example, but that film tax credit bill I did in 2008 was, um, you know, people didn't think much of it at the time, but that was a very, very big deal. So, um, you know, now we've got 70,000 people working in an industry that's a $7 billion industry with, um, you know, billions of dollars that are invested in infrastructure. Wouldn't have happened without his help getting us out of Senate Finance. Unless everybody remember, Stephen's Day's got my name on it. It would not have happened without Lester Jackson's signature. Well, we will wish him all the best as he runs for statewide, running for state labor commissioner. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that race goes. So uh, we mentioned that that seat's going to be open. Uh, Mallow, of course, is, is going to run for that seat. So that guarantees you're going to have at least one new member. And if Derek Mallow were not to win the Senate seat, you would have two new members. Uh, next year, and that's of course assuming that everybody, all the other incumbents, win because we are in a, an election year this year. Uh, bring a new blood in. What 
what kind of difference does that make? That's a good thing, especially if they're younger. And, you know, you you forget things. Like uh, whenever I first got there in 98, the the delegation was split. We had um, half female, half male over a period of years. And, you know, it didn't even occur to me. It became all male. So whenever Edna came in, uh, then we get a different perspective that we were losing all these years. Um, but the other perspective that we're losing is those of the youth. Um, most of us are, of course, especially me, are in our, in our senior years or at least um, adults for a long period of time. Uh, whenever you, you lose uh, a perspective of, of, of somebody that might be younger that's just starting out to work, that's trying to start a family, that's, that's trying to get an education, if you will, we've lost some of that perspective as well. And I, I certainly hope that we get some young folks that are willing to, to um, if they can afford it, uh, right. to, to come to the Capitol and, and give their perspective because we need that. And, we've, um, as, um, and that's just in the whole state of Georgia we've lost them. We certainly have some youngsters or younger folks that are going to be on the ballot in May and, and then those that win will, of course, advance to November. But uh, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the tornado out in Bryan County. I know you were out for some of the press events yesterday and looked at some of the damage and what uh, I think all our hearts go out, but to be there firsthand, can you kind of put it in perspective for those of us that, that aren't out there? Well, it was kind of hard to see. Um, you know, you had folks that within like a, less than a minute uh, lost everything they had as far as their possessions go. I mean, they were, there were people walking around like a bomb had gone off because it essentially did. Uh-huh, and yeah. this tornado, as they're saying, on the up three in places had were just kind of hopscotched around. So I rode to Pembroke and then um, saw some of the other places over uh, in Black Creek. And, 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 you know, there's a blessing to this as well because, thank goodness, a, a lot of these people were uh, out of school at the spring break. A lot of these folks were out of town. Otherwise, the carnage, the human carnage would have been devastating. So, but to see people's uh, life just vanish in front of them and having to start, because you, the, the, the slab would be there and it was as though somebody came along with a leaf blower and just cleaned it off. It was just right up, including the plate, which is screwed to concrete. Yeah. Um, it was just a plain slab. I've never uh, seen, and, and of course, as I would be as well, um, to see people walking around in total shock as they're trying to see, well, what do I do next? And, uh, but really proud of the folks there when I was um, over or near elementary school yesterday watching the number of uh, people coming in. There were folks over there that were uh, coming from everywhere. It came almost to traffic jam, just people, the outpouring of love, kind of. Yeah, that's our thoughts and prayers are, are with those folks who are trying to recover. And hopefully the, the really bad weather is behind us. It looks like it might be at least for, for this week, but uh, that's good to see. But Ron, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, thanks for everything you do at the State House and, and, and the delegation and leading the delegation. And I guess uh, uh, we will now look forward to another election cycle, and we won't talk about a lot of this stuff again until next December or January. But thanks for all you do, and thanks for taking the time to join me today. You betcha. Thank you.
that's all for the Thursday commute. Thanks one last time to Ron Stevens and to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To hear more, check out the commute archives by searching The Commute with that Savannah Opinion. The Commute returns next Tuesday. We will talk to you then. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.